Thanks for tuning in to My Weight Live, the podcast where we talk to medical experts about the latest research and how you can apply it to reaching your best weight. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at myweightwhattoknow.com or search My Weight What to Know on Facebook. We're always posting new articles, videos, and tools that make living a healthy life easier. Hi, everybody. Welcome to My Weight Live. Tonight, we are talking with Dr. Sandy Van about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, as a tool that can help with managing weight. It's going to be a great show. Let's get started. Dr. Van, thanks so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you so much, Ansley, for having me. So you're the Director of Weight Management at the Well One Medical Center. And before we dive in, I want to ask our viewers a question that you told me you ask your patients at the center, which is, have you ever been treated for your weight? Now, not given a diet and exercise program, but actually visited a treatment center and been seen by a team of specialists. Folks, let us know with a yes or no in the comments. All right, so now we've asked the folks watching at home, Dr. Van, tell us why it's so important Uh, to see a specialist and, and why a diet alone isn't a true treatment for excess weight. Well, I think that everybody is familiar with the adage of eat less, move more to control your weight. And that is what most people have been trying to use to treat their obesity. And the reason that diets don't work is because time and time again, research has shown that people can lose weight on a diet, but it's really difficult to keep the weight off. And the dietary piece has been found to be one small piece to a very complicated puzzle. Now, I think most of us are familiar with the concept of yo-yo dieting, and that's a really common phenomenon. It's common because diets actually don't address the underlying problem that causes weight gain. And research shows that there are a number of reasons beyond our control that can control weight, which I'm hoping to talk to you more about uh, later on. Well, I'm sure so many people watching can really relate to what you're saying about weight suckling. I know I can. All right. So, Dr. Van, based on what you've mentioned and the responses we're getting in the comments, I think a lot of us can relate to this yo-yo dieting cycle. And we also hear in the group that this pattern can cause a lot of shame and self-blame. So as a medical professional, can you talk about why weight isn't someone's fault, why this cycle isn't someone's fault, and why blaming ourselves isn't the solution? Well, like I alluded to earlier, there are so many uh, factors and variables uh, beyond what we eat and how much we move that uh, can influence our weight. So there are things like genes. Now, genes are heritable, and I think that a lot of us have heard that, but are really reluctant to blame our genes. Um, But the reality is that if you have two parents that are people who struggle with their weight, then the likelihood of you having a weight problem is about 70%. So Uh, obesity has been found to be a condition that has a number of genes associated with it. Not only that, our brain is actually designed to be a hunter-gatherer brain. So our ancestral hunter-gatherers have brains designed to help them survive, which means that they hunt for food, they seek food out, they conserve energy. And this, by and large, was a survival tactic back then. But in our modern-day environment, where food is so easily accessible, it can be really hard to override that biological drive to have hyperpalatable food, also known as high-calorie food, to survive. So what worked for us back 10,000 years ago actually now is a detriment to us, is what I hear you saying. Well, yes. Well, many would argue there's a strong evolutionary mismatch in that the brain that you have today that may be influencing your weight gain was um, it was something that was helpful as a hunter-gatherer, but is now in this modern-day environment not helpful, and there's no famine coming. So it's designed for famine, but there's no famine coming. Okay, so I think we can agree that blaming ourselves isn't the right approach. So Dr. Van, 
Talk to us about what a better alternative is for thinking about our journey with weight. Well, a better alternative would be to figure out what your best health and best weight looks like. I think a lot of us gravitate towards using the scale as a marker of success. And that's been ingrained in us uh, by popular culture, by physicians or healthcare practitioners. But the reality is that the scale fluctuates and it's not that reliable of an indicator of your overall health. So I always encourage my patients to look at goals that would support better functioning of their health or or things that are non-numerical. So rather than gravitating towards the scale, perhaps gravitating towards being able to ascend stairs without shortness of breath or being able to run around with your grandkids or, you know, things that would improve your quality of life that you will always continue to work towards rather than a number on the scale that you might actually end up seeing and one day decide to abort all of your behaviors altogether (laughs) because you reached it. You reached the goal. So I think that the the alternative way to approach uh, weight management, ironically, is not looking so much at the weight alone. Gosh, I think that's so important. And and what a good way to kind of frame us in what really matters, kind of the things about our lives that might get better if we could move more easily and will help us keep focused on on what matters. All right. So your specialty is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Let's talk about how that can be a solution for some of the challenges that we have with weight and also for other things in our lives that maybe aren't working as well as we'd like them to. Okay, well, I'll, I'll briefly go into a little bit of the background history because it's CBT is a very interesting type of psychotherapy that's been around for a long time. It was originally developed by Dr. Aaron Beck, a psychiatrist, for depression. Since then, it's been used for a number of uh, psychiatric conditions with good benefit. The way it works is uh, essentially hypothesizes that your thoughts are directly linked to your mood and your behavior. So if one is having a negative automatic stream of thinking that they typically believe, then their mood is going to result in possibly depression or anxiety. And the behavior might be such that you are socially withdrawn, you lack motivation, you ruminate. In keeping with weight management, we have found that people who struggle with their weight tend to fall into these thinking traps that they believe. Um, So things like, I'm stressed, I deserve to eat, or this is hopeless, this scale is never going to budge. We have these thoughts and we behave according to those thoughts. So the idea of CBT is to really track down the unhelpful thinking and to be able to change it to be a bit more productive in behavior and uh, your health be your health outcomes. So what I hear you saying is that we all develop kind of these thinking patterns uh, and it may lead to depression, it may lead to challenges with weight, it may lead to a whole ver- anxiety, for example. And so CBT is really kind of going to the foundation, like what is our thinking and how is it driving behaviors? How is it driving how we feel about ourselves? Is, am I hearing you right? Yeah, it, it's, you know what, there's, we have a gazillion thoughts a day and a lot of those thoughts are subconscious and we don't even realize we're having them. So the first step that I typically get patients to start practicing is awareness, awareness of the type of thoughts that you're having that are driving either a shift in your mood or, you know, unhelpful behavior. So we we need to be able to distinguish between subconscious thoughts and conscious thoughts and to be able to identify if these thoughts are in fact worth believing and acting on. Okay, so you just said something really important, which is, I know for me, it's like I'm thinking it, of course it's worth believing and acting on. The idea that maybe I could take take a step back and say, just because I'm feeling terrible about myself or just because I'm being really critical, doesn't mean that that's the right thing. I can question, is this thought actually helpful to me? 
Is that right? Exactly. And, you know, the the nice thing about CBT is that it allows you to develop this flexibility in thinking about a situation from multiple angles. So one person can interpret a situation entirely different from another. In CBT, we actually practice something called Socratic questioning, where you can ask yourself things like, well, what would my best friend tell me? Or what would I tell my best friend if she were saying these things out loud? The reality is that a lot of the things that you tell yourself are things you wouldn't dare say to another person. Because they're so mean. (laughs) They're so mean. All right. So walk us through, you know, I know CBT is kind of a four-step process. Walk us through each step kind of at a high level, and then we'll get into kind of some real world examples in a few minutes. Okay, lovely. So the first step of CBT, as I mentioned earlier, is thought awareness or cognitive awareness, uh, and cognitions are thoughts. So anytime you're experiencing a shift in your mood or you are experiencing a craving or a desire to eat that's not helpful with your weight loss goals, uh, then you want to kind of reverse engineer and think to yourself, what's the thought I'm having in this moment? And of course, this applies to unplanned eating events for the most part. Um, so ask yourself, what am I thinking that's leading me to me to have this craving or this wanting? The second step is really to label the thought for what it is. If it is clearly a dysfunctional thought or what we also call a distortion, then identify it as such. That is similar to the cough at being a symptom for somebody who has asthma. People who struggle with their weight often have self-deprecating thoughts or dysfunctional thoughts with regard to their relationship with food. So call it out for what it is and we can move forward. Because if you can't accept that you're having that thought, then you're likely just going to believe it and act accordingly. So the third step is to challenge that thought. Now ask yourself whether the thought is true. The example would be, I'm stressed tonight. I uh, deserve to eat something because that would help me feel good. And a lot of people might believe that, but if you really go through the challenging process of, you know, does this actually make me feel better in the long term? Have I ever felt good after eating something tasty just in response to stress? So asking yourself questions that really pull out the facts from that thought um, and being able to come up with the the last the the a balanced thought that's realistic for you that's the fourth step i was just going to ask you kind of back to the beginning of like identify the thought you know and and, and start questioning it it, yeah. it puts me back in the frame of mind of like these shaming and blaming thoughts because i have a self-critical voice in my head so i could identify wow i'm being really mean to myself right now and then questioning is that really helpful? Has blaming myself, has being critical you know, towards myself ever made me better? And then saying, okay, what would be a more helpful thought? And maybe practicing saying what I would say to a friend, to use your example. Is that kind of the, the flow that, that one that, might take? That would be exactly the flow I would take with any self-critical thought. So I typically categorize the thoughts into either permission thoughts or permission granting thoughts, which lead you to overeat because you feel like you deserve to, or um, self-critical thoughts and similar to the ones that you're describing that can be probed with, what would I tell a friend? Would I ever dare say this out loud to somebody else? Well, I think um, I think so many folks who struggle with weight really have internalized that self-critical voice. Mm-hmm. And, and those are unhelpful or, you know, kind of distortions where they aren't true. And yet the more you believe it and the more you think that way, the harder it is to kind of take that step back and say, gosh, I would never say this to someone else. All right. So let's, as I said, let's take this into the real world. We asked some members of our Facebook group to identify some thoughts they have that they wish they didn't. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's walk this through the CBT process with a couple of these specific thoughts. So Vicky has lost 
100 pounds. And she says she finds herself constantly thinking that she's going to gain all her weight back. And I know yeah. she's not alone in this fear. How could CBT help her feel more confident? So am I allowed to use uh, anecdotes from my own experience? Yes. Okay. So this is this is a very common one. Somebody who loses a significant amount of weight and is now ridden with anxiety about regain, especially given what we know about the yo-yo cycle. <laughs> Yeah, and about weight regain being an actual issue for uh, some folks who who diet. Um, and I would question, you know, how does this thinking actually, what sort of behavior does this thinking lead you to? And typically I get my patients to draw this diagram where their thoughts are leading to behavior, leading to possibly more thoughts. So if you could think about it, in Vicky's case, it might be, I'm really worried about regain. It's very likely to happen. I've seen this happen before. Therefore, what's the point? behavior, eating, thought. I knew this would happen and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. prophecy. And so I have a patient who actually is similar to Vicky, has had these thoughts. And what we've gone through is that thought challenging exercise where we ask for the evidence to support that thought that she's probably going to regain weight or to oppose the thought. So the facts that have been shown to support that she might regain weight is biology is involved. We know that appetite typically gets changed if you lose a significant amount of weight and that your body wants to regain that weight in some way. Um, secondly, she might have yo-yoed in the past before. So she has been, she has seen this effect happen. And so those are the two main facts that people typically come up with in practice to support that thought that they're going to regain their weight. Mm -hmm. The facts to oppose it might be, you know, you've never actually really used, if they're using CBT in my clinic, um, you've never actually used psychological skills training to retrain yourself out of habits before. Up until that point of starting CBT, you might have used willpower, which we know doesn't typically work against biology. Right. CBT actually helps retrain your brain and retrain the wiring of your brain. It's a process called self-directed neuroplasticity. So we know that we can retrain ourselves out of bad habits. And that is something that requires, you know, CBT to help you positively reinforce that and success builds success. So hopefully you build these things over time and commit to them despite the biological the biological wanting. So my patients do typically come with cravings. And one of the fears is that these cravings are really overwhelming and I can't handle them. And I've asked before, you know, well, how are you handling these cravings? And she said, well, I'm handling them. It's just hard. So if you heard me correctly, I'm handling them. It's just hard. The fear is stemming from the fact that it's difficult, but she hasn't paid attention to the fact that she actually has developed the ability to handle these cravings. So remember, the thought challenging actually works in the sense that you ask yourself, what sort of skills have I learned over time and what sort of supports do I have right now that are different from what I've had in the past? So that's a really, uh, that exercise you just talked about, I'm handling them, it's just hard. You're almost asking someone to shift their attention from the it's hard part to I'm handling them. So in some ways, yeah. you know, the replacement of the thought, it's almost like taking all of the thoughts into account and shifting from the things that we, you know, might reinforce more negative beliefs to saying, hey, wait a second, I am handling this. I'm doing a good job. This situation is different in yeah. X, Y, and Z from the times where I haven't been successful. I, I yes. yeah, that's so helpful in terms of thinking how this process can be applied. Yeah, the change in mindset is a is a really big root of motivation, right? So if you're constantly thinking to yourself, "I'm going to regain my weight," oh God, it's coming, uh, then you likely will. You you 
very much likely will. But if you're thinking to yourself, this is really hard, but I'm going to accept it because it's more important for me to be able to keep this weight off and to, to be able to enjoy the life that I've, I've given myself now because of uh, my efforts, uh, you're more likely to continue to want to build on that success. And with that being said, the other thing to mention is that it's important to see uh, somebody who's well-versed in obesity management because there are medical options to enabling further success with this. So we know that medications also help people keep weight off. And because it's a biological problem, behaviors are really hard to intervene on a biological problem. Medications, on the other hand, might be able to regulate your appetite in a way that it shouldn't be so hard. I'm actually so glad you said that. As always, folks, we're going to put a link in the comments that is um, for the Obesity Canada clinic locator to find a medical professional who treats obesity as a chronic disease, which it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, the temptation often is to think about weight as kind of a do-it-yourself or DIY condition. Yeah. But the truth is like seeing specialists like Dr. Van, like all the guests that we've had on our show in the past, these physicians really understand all the complexities of managing weight and they can really help you provide solutions across all the different areas that can impact weight. So definitely mm-hmm. seeing a specialist is key. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few moments. Mm-hmm. One more or two more real life examples. Kelly and Katie say they can't seem to shake the feeling that no one cares about them. Gosh, that's a discouraging thought. How might they intervene there and and start to kind of shape their thinking differently? Can we clarify that nobody cares about them with respect to their efforts to lose weight? Yes, is that right? That's right. Yes, that's right. Right. Well, the thing is, obesity management, as we know, requires comprehensive intervention and. The village of support that's required to help people lose weight and keep it off is is very real. So, but it can come in different forms, right? So, family support is one. So, I'm I'm, I'm wondering if they're alluding to that. Probably uh, social social support is another. And sometimes those two things can actually work against weight loss efforts because there are people who who might be food enablers or food pushers. But that's another that's another area that that's CBT a topic can for a different show. <laughs> that's a different topic. But the other thing is. The, there's support in other ways. There's support from a dietitian. There's support from the nurse. There's a support with your physician. So I think that support is helpful, um, but the support should be something that enables you to be autonomous with your weight loss as well. So shifting the focus away from these external um, factors that are supposed to help you with weight loss and also in transitioning that more to why is weight loss important to me? Because oh. you're right, you can't control how other people are going to respond to you and your behavior. Right. So you need to be you need to be really reflective of how you want to support yourself. How you want to support yourself and maybe the people or things in your life that are supportive. You know, maybe there's yeah. this handful that aren't, but you know, maybe can I can can I shift my attention to those areas where I am getting support? All right, last one. Yeah. Eileen and Betty Jean uh, say that they are constantly thinking they don't have what it takes to break through a plateau and or kind of lose the last few pounds to reach their goal weight. Gosh, that's, this is such a common one. Tell us how they oh, might use CBT with these thoughts. Right. So that's that's sort of in keeping with Vicky's issue uh, of, you know, worried about weight regain in the sense that you're having these thoughts that might be leading you to be more likely to give up on the, the efforts. Because if you're not seeing the scale move in any way, right. you might be thinking, to yourself, well, what am I doing all of this for? Uh, and that goes to principle one, right? Like don't use the scale as your marker of success. <laughs> right where we started. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I would, I, I, I see this, uh, this a lot and it's, it's common because we know that the scale is the one 
like tangible marker that we have, but it's only one of so many things that can measure your overall health, right? So, so other things that I look at are people's strength when they're when they're going to the gym or their endurance when they're walking. Um, I also think about the impact that controlling their weight and controlling their relationship with food has had on their overall quality of life. Um, a lot of people report to me that their mood is better, that their sleep quality is much better because their routines are a lot more regulated. So there are so many other things to reflect on that will help you continue to want to build on your success rather than, you know, something that is already unreliable to begin with as a marker of your success. Gosh, okay, that's that's such a good point. Again, shifting our yeah. attention to to what really matters, away from the scale to all the other benefits that we might be seeing that are kind of incentive to continue our healthy behavior. Okay, so if someone at home watching decides that they really want to try CBT, what kind of professional would you suggest they go to see to help them with their pro- with the process? Okay, well, we should probably start with the fact that not everybody offers CBT. Right. Um, it is a very effective treatment for weight loss. It's not everything though. So I don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent it in any way that CBT should be used as an adjunct to other modalities of treatment. So medication, surgery, if it's applicable and dietary and behavioral counseling, um, are, are all, uh, you know, this, this interdisciplinary uh, way of approaching obesity as it should be. So with CBT, we should be also addressing the fact that not everybody has access to people who provide CBT. Mm-hmm. So people typically provided are psychotherapists. We can come in the form of a psychologist or a social worker or a physician, or you can get it from nurse practitioners who offer it as well. But self-directed CBT through reading you know, help books are self-help books are, are also effective for weight loss. So self-directed CBT is, is, can be done, uh, from the Beck diet trap solution. There's the cognitive behavioral therapy workbook, um, for weight management. And these are all books that, uh, can provide you with the principles of CBT. They go through exercises that you can do on your own. And they're also very helpful. And I actually have patients read them in conjunction with the sessions that we have. So it's, it's, it, it should be this, you know, multi-layered, um, system of support that you have, but if you don't have the, the funds to, you know, purchase psychology sessions, which many people don't, right. then I would say the first place to start is by, uh, through bibliotherapy or book reading. Oh, bibliotherapy. I've never yeah. heard that before. I love it. Yeah. All right. So let's say that someone does want to see something. Katie is asking, how can I be sure that the person I'm seeing is qualified? Are there any credentials that someone should be looking for? Yeah. So, um, we're in Canada and we have upwards to 40 physicians in Canada who are now designated with the American Board of Obesity Medicine uh, certification. Uh, these are uh, practitioners who know obesity as a chronic disease and know how to treat obesity as a chronic disease. So that might be one credential you look out for. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, many people don't have it and are able to. So I think that it's a good way for you to find other physicians who are um, outside of your own physician. Uh, who might be uh, more focused on obesity management, you can go to the Obesity Canada website and there's an archive of physicians there. Um, But you can also, you know, equip yourself. And I I, I don't want to tell patients to Google all the time, but (laughs) This might be one that is uh, warranted only because obesity management is sort of new to the field. And if you Google something um, about uh, obesity as a chronic disease, you're sure to find um, reasons that support why you should be treated medically or psychologically for 
the condition. And it's something that you can bring to your doctor and bring awareness to it yourself. And m- many doctors are keen to learn. We, it's a, it's a profession that requires lifelong learning. So, so I think that if you, if you want to bring it up with your physician, um, that that's also a good idea because you have to be your own advocate. Gosh, that is so true. And, and I'm so glad you said that because you know, obesity medicine is, is a field where there is a lot of changing science. Mm-hmm. We are thinking differently. We are recognizing all the biological processes that happen in the body that lead to weight regain. So it is kind mm-hmm. of, it's kind of a field where, you know, medicine is kind of catching up to, to what we're learning. So if you talk yeah. to your physician and that conversation doesn't go so well, maybe you hear more of mm-hmm. kind of eat less and move more. Yeah. You're right. Going go to Google, getting kind of the, the research behind the fact that it is a chronic disease yeah. is, a, is a great point. Yeah, that's right. Last question, Dr. Van. Um, we've been talking about CBT. You use CBT with a lot of your patients. Tell us a little bit about the success you've seen when your patients are have been able to successfully implement CBT. Oh, it's such a gratifying thing to watch. And I will say that it is a slow process. It's not something that can happen overnight. So a lot of the patients who read the books that I recommend actually read them again because it's because thought interruption and awareness is something that is new. And if you are, say, a 40-something-year-old who is trying to manage her weight and have had a weight cycling history, then your thinking is probably 40 years in the making. <laughs> right? So it's hard to change that. And it, but it's not impossible. It's hard, but it's not impossible. So the things that I typically see when patients have started to grasp the concepts of CBT well are acceptance that obesity is a disease and that it's something that requires, you know, a village of support. So it's not, so if they have a lapse that they're more willing to resign themselves to it and just say, how am I going to move forward from here? So they also think in a, in a way that's resilient. Um, the, the other thing is they feel like they have more self-control over cravings. So they're not as anxious around social occasions or around nighttime meeting, for instance, because they have ways that they've problem solved around it. And they've, they're aware of their thinking traps more consistently. Um, they are also a lot more mindful of how sleeping and how things like exercise can improve their ability to engage in CBT and awareness. Um, so there are a number of things that improve with CBT aside from the weight loss. And if you're in my clinic, we rarely talk about the weight. Ah, interesting. You're talking about all yeah. of the other things around it. You you yeah. made a point there that I, I really think is important to emphasize. When you're starting to see some success, you really do want to reflect that back to yourself in your thinking of, gosh, yeah. look at all these times I've done it well. And then that makes it easier then when you have a setback to be like, I've, I've overcome this before. I just need to get back on the horse. Yeah. And CBT also helps you realize that you're a human being and that you are allowed to make mistakes. So a, a, a major thinking trap that a lot of chronic dieters have is this all or nothing trap of I'm going to be on this diet or I'm not. And if it's not, then they're going in the opposite direction of what their health goals are. So I try to get patients to live in the gray zone. So not so much black and white thinking, but living in the gray and being able to know that setbacks are inevitable and knowing how to learn from them and to move forward from them. And that you don't have to be perfect. So let's say you are not so good about packing your lunch for a week. You know, living in the gray zone might be thinking of a healthy uh, dining options um, or going to a, a DIY salad bar at a grocery store. So you're not doing everything perfect 
correctly because your goal was to, you know, pack lunch for the week, but you are doing things the best you can. And I think the self-compassion piece is, is a big part of being able to sustain your behaviors long-term. Gosh, I'm so glad you you talked about that at the end because I do think that's so important. It's so hard to to not just be hard on ourselves and, and expect perfection. And then when we don't attain it to be like, uh, whatever, I, I blew it. So I might as well just start, exactly. start again next week. We're going to have to have you back on and talk about self-acceptance and self-compassion. <laughs> but thank <laughs> you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, of all the tools there are to help people with weight, you know, CBT is one of our favorites and you've done such an amazing job of breaking it down for us tonight, making it seem manageable and doable. And I hope uh, the folks at home have found it helpful as well. 